Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Friday evening where we reflect into the Scripture for Sunday. Uh, tonight, we have the opportunity to reflect upon our Lord as the Good Shepherd, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. Uh, I am flying solo today, so if you have any questions, please do email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com, or uh, you can go to my website, joholcraft.org. You can contact me through there as well. So tonight, as we have the opportunity to look at Jesus as the Good Shepherd, uh, the Gatekeeper, I thought this would also be an opportunity to share a story. You know, over the last few weeks, I've received the question, you know, Joe, what is it all about? What is the Christian and Catholic faith all about? Well, all you have to do is turn to the name Jesus, Yeshua. God saves. God saves us from what? Our sin. He ransoms us from death by his own death. And in so doing, he calls us to die to self each and every day that we might increase in Christ, that by the power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of his grace, we might find ourselves made anew each and every day. But as we talk about this, what is it all about? It did have me thinking about a story, a story that uh, was first shared by the popular Matthew Kelly uh, in his work, Rediscovering uh, Catholicism. I thought I would just read this story because it really does tie in not only to the question, but also our, our gospel reading for this evening. So imagine this. You're driving home from work next Monday after a long day. You turn on your radio and you hear a brief report about a small village in India where some people have suddenly died, strangely, of a flu that has never been seen before. It's not influenza, but four people are dead. So the Centers for Disease Control are sending some doctors to India to investigate. You don't think much about it. People die every day. But coming home from church the following Sunday, you hear another report on the radio. Only now they say it's not four people who have died, but 30,000 in the Black Hills of India. Whole villages have been wiped out, and experts confirm this flu is a strain that has never been seen before. By the time you get up Monday morning, it's the lead story. The disease is spreading. It's not just India that is affected. Now it has spread to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, and Northern Africa, but it still seems far away. Before you know it, you're hearing this story everywhere. The media have now coined it the mystery flu. The president has announced that he and his family are praying for the victims and their families and are hoping for the situation to be resolved quickly. 
but everyone is wondering how we are ever going to contain it. That's when the President of France makes an announcement that shocks Europe. He is closing the French borders. No one can enter the country. And that's why that night you're watching a little bit of CNN before going to bed. Your jaw hits your chest when a weeping women's words are translated into English from a French news program. There's a man lying in a hospital in Paris, dying of the mystery flu. It has come to Europe. Panic strikes. As best they can tell, after con contracting the disease, you have it for a week before you even know it. Then you have four days of unbelievable symptoms, and then you die. The British close their borders, but it's too late. The disease breaks out in Southampton, Liverpool, and London. And on Tuesday morning, the President of the United States makes the following announcement. Due to a national security risk, all flights to and from the United States have been canceled. If your loved ones are overseas, I'm sorry. They cannot come home until we find a cure for this horrific disease. Within four days, America is plunged into an unbelievable fear. People are wondering, what if it comes to this country? Preachers on television are saying it's the scourge of God. Then, on Tuesday night, you're at a church, a Bible study, when somebody runs in from the parking lot and yells, Turn on the radio! And while everyone listens to a small radio, the announcement is made. Two women are lying in a hospital in New York City, dying of the mystery flu. It has come to America. Within hours, the disease envelops the country. People are working around the clock, trying to find an antidote, but nothing is working. The disease breaks out in California, Oregon, Arizona, Florida, Massachusetts. It's as though it's just sweeping in from the borders. Then, suddenly the news comes out. The code has been broken. A cure has been found. A vaccine can be made. But it's going to take the blood of somebody who hasn't been infected. So you and I are asked to do just one thing. Go to the nearest hospital and have our blood tested. When we hear the sirens go off in our neighborhood, we are to make our way quickly, quietly, and safely to the hospital. Sure enough, by the time you and your family get to the hospital, it's late Friday night. There are long lines of people and a constant rush of doctors and nurses taking blood and putting labels on it. Finally, it's your turn. You go first. Then your spouse and children follow. And once the doctors have taken your blood, they say to you, wait here in the parking lot for your name to be called. You stand around with your family and neighbors, scared, waiting, wondering, wondering quietly to yourself, what on earth is going on here? Is this the end of the world? And how, how did it ever come to this? Nobody seems to have had their name called. The doctors just keep taking people's blood. But then, suddenly a young man comes running out of the hospital screaming. He's yelling a name and waving a clipboard. You don't hear him at first. What's he saying? Someone asks. The young man screams the name again as he and a team of medical staff run in your direction. 
But again, you cannot hear him. Then your son tugs on your jacket and says, Daddy, that's me. That's my name they're calling. Before you know it, they have grabbed your boy. Wait a minute, hold on. You say, running after them. That's my son. It's okay, they reply. We think he has the right blood type. We just need to check one more time to make sure he doesn't have the disease. Five tense minutes later, out come the doctors and nurses, crying and hugging each other. Some of them are even laughing. It's the first time you have seen anybody laugh in a week. An old doctor walks up to you and your spouse and says, Thank you. Your son's blood is perfect. It's clean. It's pure. He doesn't have the disease, and we can use it to make the vaccine. As the news begins to spread across the parking lot, people scream and pray and laugh and cry. You can hear the crowd erupting in the background as the gray-haired doctor pulls you and your spouse aside to say, I need to talk to you. We didn't realize that the donor would be a minor, and we, we need you to sign a consent form. The doctor presents the form and you quickly begin to sign it, but then your eyes catch something. The box for the number of pints of blood to be taken is empty. How many pints, you ask? That is when the old doctor's smile fades, and he says, We had no idea it would be a child. We were not prepared for that. You ask him again, how many pints? The old doctor looks away and says, regretfully, we are going to need it all. But I don't understand. What do you mean you need it all? He's my only son. The doctor grabs you by the shoulders, pulls you close, looks you straight in the eyes and says, we are talking about the whole world here. Do you understand? The whole world. Please sign the form. We need to hurry. But can't you just give him a transfusion, you plead? If we had clean blood, we would, but we don't. Please, will you sign the form? What would you do? In numb silence, you sign the form because you know it's the only thing to do. Then the doctor says to you, would you like to have a moment with your son before we get started? Could you walk into that hospital room where your son sits on a table saying, Daddy, Mommy, what's going on? Could you tell your son you love him? And when the doctors and nurses come back in and say, I'm sorry, we've got to get started now. People all over the world are dying. Could you leave? Could you walk out while your son is crying to you? Mom, Dad, what's going on? Where are you going? Why are you leaving? Why have you abandoned me? The following week, they hold a ceremony to honor your son for his phenomenal contribution to humanity. But some people sleep through it. Others don't even bother to come because they have better things to do. And some people come with a pretentious smile and pretend to care. While others sit around and say, 
this is so boring. Wouldn't you want to stand up and say, excuse me, I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, but the amazing life you have, my son died so that you could have that life. My son died that you could live. He died for you. Does it mean nothing to you? Perhaps, perhaps that is what God wants to say. Seeing it from different eyes, my friends, ought to have us thinking about what Jesus Christ did differently. And those eyes are your eyes. So when I'm asked the question, what is it all about? It is about that. (laughs) That wonderful and beautiful story. A story that has us or ought to have us thinking more critically about the gift we have because of what he gave up, his very life. And so this fourth Sunday of Easter, we read of the Good Shepherd. And as I noted off the top, we have some very important verses to talk about especially as they relate to one verse. You can anticipate what that verse might be, given the story I just shared. So, if you have your Bibles out there, you can turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21, is what I will read. And this again is Jesus the Good Shepherd, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. 
So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and he is mad. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the sayings of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So, off the top, there's a lot of uh, rich historical uh, backdrop to these verses here. You know, today's gospel, our Lord makes references to two types of sheepfolds before he identifies himself as the sheep gate. If you go back in those first few verses, he describes this kind of communal sheepfold that each village would maintain and to which the shepherds might return their flocks each night. In this case, the sheep's pen was protected by a strong door that could be opened only by the chief shepherd's key. Okay, so an important point here. Now, the second type of sheepfold is described in subsequent verses, where a containment was provided for those nights when the sheep were to be kept in the fields. For example, on the night of our Lord's birth. Now, such temporary sheepfolds usually consisted of a circle of rocks with an opening on one end. In this case, the shepherd himself would serve as the gate to such sheepfolds, laying across its entrance to sleep. So you can kind of begin to gather up an image of why our Lord uses the words that he uses. So whether a sheep tried to leave or a wolf tried to enter, they would have to do so by way of the shepherd himself. That is to say, the shepherd himself was the door. What powerful imagery. Because when we think about this, practically speaking, our Lord's words are more than just uh, nice images and nice allegories. No, there, there's something very real going on. There's something very palpable going on. This is why when we go to interpret Scripture, we always interpret in the literal sense. And by the literal sense, what I mean there is appreciating the historical context. What is the intention of the author? And when you do that, what happens is you get behind the words of our Lord because then you can better appreciate why our Lord says what he says to the audience that is before him. And how about the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem? You know, in the ancient walls of Jerusalem, there was a gate on the north of the city by which animals were brought in from the surrounding areas for sacrifice. It was called the Sheep Gate. You know, once inside the city and within the temple courts, there was only one door where the sheep went in. And no lamb ever came back out after entering the temple precincts. They traveled in only one direction. And there they were sacrificed for the sins of human beings. So for that first audience who heard our Lord's teaching about sheep, such knowledge added to the shock of his words. <laughs> I tell you the truth. 
I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Wow. In the very temple area filled with sheep on their way to slaughter, Jesus declared there was a way out. And how does he do that? What does he say? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. For as verse 11 says there from John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our Lord willingly turns his life over for our sake. You know, in the opening, I talked about that most salient truth of our Christian and Catholic faith. Yeshua, Jesus, God saves. What he offers for us is a profound insight into the life of, a, of the Trinity. That love shared between the Father and Son. A love that is expressed in this sacrificial dimension. He was obedient to his Father. He simply says, all that I am is yours. Our Lord says to us, I give myself entirely over to you. Wow. Jesus speaks of sheep in the very place where they were about to be slaughtered. It's so provocative. Unlike, you know, the shepherd among innocent lambs and many of our imaginary scenes of sheep and shepherds on verdant hillsides, tending these sheep requires something more than a gentle hand and a watchful eye. They must be protected from the powers of death. Shepherds are just not, you know, compassionate caregivers. They are figures of authority who protect from marauders and enemies. Yes, shepherds have rods. They have rods to protect. They have rods that represent authority. Jesus teaches that anyone who does not enter into the sheepfold to care for the sheep through this gate himself is a thief and a bandit. No one comes to the Father except through him, he says. And Jesus himself is the gate by which the shepherd goes to the sheep. So only the authentic shepherds are those admitted by him. If you go back into verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, the figure is of a gate for the shepherd to come to the sheep. In verses 9 to 10, the figure is of a gate for the sheep to come in and go out. The Pharisees, since they do not come through Jesus, are thieves. Those who come through this gate, that is Jesus, will have life. And of course, our Lord is the model shepherd. You know, God had a love affair with shepherds in the Old Testament. Moses, of course, Joshua, David, Amos, oh, so many shepherds. This shepherd, our Lord, he is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are hirelings who shear the sheep but have no loyalty to them. Now, the faithful shepherd, like David of old, protects his flock. He knows his sheep. This is what our Lord is saying. He has an intimate knowledge of his flock. And this intimate knowledge comes from deep and abiding love. Long night watches. 
this is his reason for laying down his life. And his love goes out beyond his own sheep. John records, to all who believe in him. Jesus is the gate of the sheepfold, not a trap door, but rather the entrance into the loving security of God, into the protection of the good shepherd. You know, when you read these series of verses closely, what you find is a profound consolation, but a consolation that only comes out from a living relationship with Jesus Christ. We must not forget what he did for us. Now, what did Pope Francis say about a month ago? If you were the only person on the earth, he would have given his blood for you. That's powerful stuff. So we must not forget what he did for us. And we won't if we pass through this gate of life, Jesus Christ, which again is first and foremost embracing our relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember what these verses said. The sheep only recognize the shepherd's voice. Well, how does the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice? Well, because they are constantly spending time with the shepherd. My dear friends, we must spend more time with Jesus Christ so that we might be more familiar with the words of Jesus Christ. So in all of those stormy circumstances of life, when it's difficult to hear, we can begin to pick up his inflection and tone because we spend so much time with him. There are so many things throughout our day where we have to make a number of decisions, some more difficult than others. If we are spending time with Jesus Christ, what begins to happen is we can hear his voice even in the midst of noise, and it allows us to make the more prudent decision. It allows us to be a better version of who God is calling us to be. Let us spend time with him so that we can hear his voice. I mean, what does that look like? Well, read scripture, pray the rosary, journal, pray the divine office, go to mass, spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ talking about the faith. All of these things encourage and enhance a more vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ where you can better hear his voice. But always, first and foremost, you must quiet your heart down. And when you do that, certainly God will give you everything that you need, the tools to be able to hear and the principles to be able to live a life of virtue. Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen, and God bless you.
You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.